It's time. Time for what, you might ask? It's time to optimize your health and upgrade your life. Cutting-edge research, biohacks, ancestral wisdom, wellness, intuition, and more. This is The Synthesis of Wellness. Your host and biohacker Chloe Porter has a background in engineering, innovation, and research. Her analytical background coupled with her journey in overcoming a brain tumor and defeating several chronic illnesses enables her to approach health and wellness in an innovative way. And now more than ever, she is ready to share her biohacking secrets and expose cutting edge research. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Synthesis of Wellness podcast. If you're new, welcome. I'm Chloe, and I'm an engineer, former lab research scientist, now author. If you are a returning listener and you like the podcast, definitely head on over to my Instagram at Synthesis of Wellness, where I share health and wellness research almost every day. I present the information in bite-sized biohacks so they're easy to read quickly and get as much value from them as possible because that is always my goal. Now, if you are new, uh, you may not know, but I have constructed and delivered a book called 75 Gut Healing Strategies and Biohacks. It is out and available right now. So, if you're interested, I will put all of the links to the book and everything down below in the show notes, but it is a great resource for anyone interested in improving gut health or recovering from a gut ailment in general. Now, one last announcement before we get into today's content. I am also gearing up to take a whole host of new coaching clients in 2024. Now, I will typically start out with a discounted intro call that you can just book directly on my website, www.synthesisofwellness.com. And during that initial session, we will work together to then craft a plan that works best for you and your goals. So all that's available to book on my website is just that intro session. After that, we craft a plan separate from that. Now, I've worked with clients on biohacking, basic wellness practices and habits, mindset mastery, feng shui, life optimization, longevity, anti-aging strategies, sleep enhancement, brain health, digestion optimization, of course, productivity, overcoming self-limiting beliefs, nutrition guidance, workout optimization, and so much more. So, a very, very wide gamut of topics. And now my goal with these coaching sessions is the exact same goal I started out the brand with. And it's 
actually why, of course, I chose the name, The Synthesis of Wellness. I chose it because of my laboratory research background. So, you know, when I was in that chemistry lab, to put things very simply, you're working on synthesizing a lot of different chemical compounds. Now, sometimes during a reaction that is termed a synthesis reaction, you need what is called a catalyst. And a catalyst helps to facilitate a reaction. Now, within the human body, we often refer to these as enzymes. They're biological enzymes. But the point here is that these catalysts help to facilitate chemical reactions by lowering what is called activation energy. And that activation energy is essentially the energy required for a chemical reaction to occur. And so these catalysts, they lower that energy and they even help speed up the reaction in turn. Now, with that said, and as my mission statement says, my goal is to be the catalyst in the reaction that synthesizes wellness. So that too is what I do with each and every one of my clients. So with that said, if you want to go over and book an intro session, they're discounted right now for 2024. I'm accepting new clients. Primarily those intro sessions are booked on Wednesdays because I reserve that day for new coaching clients, but I will put all of the links to do so below in the show notes. So definitely go check that out if you are interested. Okay, so... Last Friday, I did a part one episode where I went over two pretty intriguing growth factors, which are essentially almost the creme de la creme of skincare, EGF and FGF, and they are truly becoming even increasingly popular in skincare for their ability to stimulate cell signaling and induce the body's own you know, collagen and elastin production, for example among other things, but they are often pretty expensive as well. And sometimes even topical cosmetic peptides can be a little bit more economical. So today I want to shift our focus more towards a few of these interesting topical peptides. Now, similar to the growth factors, we're not going to be able to cover all the possible gamut of skincare topical peptides in this single episode, but we will certainly hit a lot of my favorites in particular, and I will of course also share why they are my favorites and why is largely driven by their effectiveness and function. Okay, now also, in last Friday's episode, I quickly went through the anatomy of the skin and skin cells present in both the epidermis and dermis, as well as their cell layers. And to set the stage for today's episode once more, I think it would be beneficial to go ahead and summarize that information really quickly, just to give a refresher. However, totally feel free to go back to last Friday's episode to get a more in-depth explanation on all of this so that you can understand the context of these growth factors and topical cosmetic peptides. So we're going to start by going through the layers of the skin, moving outside inwards. So the epidermis, the outermost layer, it acts as that protective barrier and it's primarily composed of skin cells called keratinocytes. 
Now, it's also notable that the epidermis can be divided into five different sublayers, and the stratum corneum is the outermost of these sublayers. Now, the, this stratum corneum, this outermost layer, it consists of flattened dead keratinocytes. And in order for these dead flattened keratinocytes to become that, they first undergo what is called cornification. This is when they're actually moving from the deeper sublayers within the epidermis outward to this outermost sublayer, the one we are discussing right now, or the stratum corneum. Now, as they're doing this, as they're moving outward and undergoing cornification, they're actually losing their nuclei and their organelles, so their ability to do anything, basically. That's why they're dead at the end. But they're becoming filled with keratin during this process, during this outward migration. And then during this outward migration, before they have lost their nuclei and ability to produce certain things, they are producing lipids, which will be used to form that lipid skin barrier matrix that is essential for our skin. Now, going back to the sublayers of the epidermis, below this stratum corneum, which again, as we mentioned, that's where those dead flattened keratinocytes are, below this layer lies the stratum lucidum. And it's mainly found in very thick skin area areas. Now next and further inward is the stratum granulosum. This is where those keratinocytes largely produce keratin. Now moving on and again moving deeper into the epidermis, we reach the stratum spinosum. This even houses what are called Langerhans cells, and those are part of the body's immune defense system. So not only in this layer do we have those keratinocytes, as we've been discussing, but here in this stratum spinosum sublayer, we have some immune cells. Now moving on to the deepest or innermost sublayer of the epidermis, this is the stratum basal. It contains basal keratinocytes that are essentially stem cells that divide to produce new skin cells. Also though, this layer contains melanocytes responsible for skin color, and this layer contains nervous system cells called Merkel cells, and basically those just allow us to experience the sensation of a light touch, like on our fingertips, for example. Now, let's briefly discuss the dermis, which is, of course, beneath the epidermis. This layer consists of two sublayers, the papillary dermis with thin collagen and elastin fibers, and the reticular dermis, and the reticular dermis has much thicker fibers. And the reason why is because we've got these fibroblasts within the reticular dermis, these fibroblasts are those main cells that we're concerned with, they're within the reticular dermis producing collagen and elastin, which is of course vital for skin structure and elasticity. Now also, in addition to these fibroblasts 
and that collagen and elastin production here in the dermis. It also contains, the dermis in general, it contains sebaceous glands, sweat glands, hair follicles, and even mast cells. So lots of stuff going on. So that was a very just quick general summary of some of the skin anatomy and function, the cells that are responsible for producing a lot of these structural proteins, lipids, etc. And we went through all of this last week, last Friday's episode contained all of this and much more. So definitely check that one out if you're interested. But for the sake of time in today's episode, we've got a lot of different topical peptides that I want to dive into. So let's go ahead and start. The first one is called palmitoyl tripeptide 1. So palmitoyl tripeptide 1 is basically a synthesized fragment designed to mimic collagen and stimulate collagen production. So when palmitoyl tripeptide 1 is applied topically to the skin, it can penetrate the epidermal layer and then reach the dermis, where those collagen-producing cells called fibroblasts reside. Then once it reaches the receptors on those fibroblast cells, and as a result of the intracellular signaling that occurs when this peptide attaches to the receptor on those fibroblasts, they increase their production of collagen and other structural proteins. So basically then the collagen is secreted into the extracellular matrix and can then contribute to the skin's firmness, strength, and overall structural support. So essentially I would say this peptide, according to the literature, of course, is probably a very ideal topical peptide for maintaining skin's overall structure and preventing sagging, since that is essentially collagen's main job, among other, other things, and even signaling. Now let's move on to another peptide, and one that is actually often used in conjunction with palmitoyl tripeptide 1 in a variety of skincare formulations. Now this one is called palmitoyl tetrapeptide 7. So palmitoyl tetrapeptide 7, it's actually related to the immunoglobulin G protein, which is actually extremely interesting considering that IgG is an antibody largely involved in the body's immune response. So going back to our peptide, palmitoyl tetrapeptide 7. This peptide, what it does is when applied topically, it can decrease interleukin-6 secretion and therefore reduce inflammation after UVB exposure. So essentially, it is most well known for inhibiting the production of these pro-inflammatory cytokines like interleukin-6, which we know are signaling molecules that basically contribute to what we see on the outside as skin inflammation and redness or irritation. So by reducing inflammation, this topical peptide may be a good one when it comes to calming irritated skin. Okay, moving on to our third topical skincare peptide, 
This one is called palmitoyl tripeptide 8. So palmitoyl tripeptide 8 is pretty cool. It's a synthetic peptide based on the alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone or alpha MSH. But of course, it does not have all those same properties. It does not have the melanocyte stimulating properties, among other things. So, because again, it's just based off of it. It's similar to or comparable to like a fragment of. So, in a similar way to palmitoyl tetrapeptide 7, we just talked about, palmitoyl tripeptide 8 is pretty darn good at soothing irritated skin. And some studies show a drastic reduction in interleukin 8, which is another pro-inflammatory cytokine in UVB irradiated skin. Now, even another study found this peptide to be particularly helpful for rosacea as well, which makes sense. Now, related to all this kind of inflammation reduction and this peptide's ability to reduce some of these inflammatory cytokines, particularly interleukin-8, it was also shown to reduce edema and the number of dilated capillaries as well as blood vessels, both of which are related to pro-inflammatory states. So to summarize this peptide, it's possibly particularly helpful for those with very overly sensitive skin. But of course, again, it's always important to remember that reactions to any topical product are still possible. Now, moving on to the fourth peptide I want to discuss. Now, and before I name this one, I want to recall palmitoyl tetrapeptide 7 and palmitoyl tripeptide 1. These were the two very first peptides we discussed. When these two are used together to support collagen production and soothe the skin overall, they are termed matrixyl 3000. And the reason I bring that up is because scientists have discovered new peptides that perform similar actions, but more effectively. That's just science and the field of optimization in general. So we have this does the same thing, but possibly more effectively. And one of these is called palmitoyl tetrapeptide 38. Now this is sometimes called matrixyl 6000, kind of to show that it's an upgraded version of that matrixyl 3000. Now, the reason it is, is because it's possibly just more comprehensive as it stimulates the synthesis of six major components of the skin matrix, including collagen 1, collagen 3, collagen 4, fibronectin, hyaluronic acid, and lemon. And it does this by largely stimulating those fibroblasts we talked about earlier in order to achieve greater collagen production. But through the stimulation of the fibroblasts, it indirectly stimulates those keratinocytes in the epidermis that we talked about earlier to then produce those proteins like lemon, which contribute to structural support as well. So I would just say that this one is just more comprehensive topical peptide when compared to the previous counterpart, Matrixyl 3000. 
But with that, it is a great topical peptide, in summary, for supporting skin structure, preventing sagging, among other things like wrinkles as a result of like a loss of collagen or skin integrity. Okay, so now I think we should switch gears from some of these skin soothing and or collagen promoting slash skin firming peptides to some neurotransmitter inhibiting topical peptides. So this category of topical peptides largely targets fine lines and wrinkles caused by muscle contraction. So in other words, by inhibiting neurotransmitters involved in muscle contractions, such as acetylcholine, the topical peptide can promote muscle relaxation. And of course, that can be very beneficial for reducing the appearance of dynamic wrinkles, which are caused by repetitive muscle movements as seen in expression lines. So think crow's feet or even like frown lines. So the first one I want to talk about here is called acetohexapeptide 8. It is basically a mimetic of Botox. So it has actually been found to be, of course, safer than Botox and just as effective in reducing wrinkles. And studies are showing with efficacies up to 48% upon four weeks of twice daily treatment. Now, another one of these kind of neurotransmitter, topical neurotransmitter inhibiting and wrinkle and expression line reducing peptides is called acetyl octopeptide 3. So acetyl octopeptide 3. This one was actually compared to acetyl hexapeptide 8 and shown to be more effective at reducing wrinkle depth and possibly overall more effective. But of course, I would say that both acetohexapeptide 8, the one we just talked about, and acetoctopeptide 3, the one we're talking about right now, they're probably the two most widely used, what some may call Botox in a bottle, topical peptide alternatives. Okay, now with all of that said, there are a few other topical peptides I particularly like for things like supporting eyelash growth or nail growth, targeting you know, edema under the eyes or dark circles, puffiness, and more. But I will save those for another episode so this one does not get too lengthy. And I'll definitely also show you what I use and how I formulate different actual skincare products for myself personally over on my Instagram stories and just content in general. So with that said, Thank you so very much for tuning in and I hope everyone is enjoying the holidays and is super excited for 2024. So again, thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one. Bye guys. The content provided by the Synthesis of Wellness LLC via its podcast and domain is for informational purposes only and should not be used as medical advice or as a replacement for medical care. 
the Synthesis of Wellness podcast, synthesisofwellness.com, the Synthesis of Wellness LLC, and Chloe Porter disclaim responsibility from adverse effects resulting from using the content provided. Please seek and consult a licensed physician for your health and medical needs. Furthermore, Chloe Porter and the Synthesis of Wellness podcast are not responsible for the opinions of guests featured on the podcast.